a lot of the designs these days are very very typography focused you know um, images say a lot but mm. these days the trend has been towards you know big bold text so that you get to read you, you get the people to read what you want them to read Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to another episode of Inbound Buzz. I'm your host, Moby Sadiq, wishing you very, very well from wherever you may be tuning into this show. Today, I've got a good friend of mine, Akash Shakya who outside of my own internal team is the person I go to when I have a web design or development pickle that I need help with. If you're in marketing, I know you'll get an immense amount of value from this interview. Akash is going to talk to us about why homepage banners and sliders suck. What is better for mobile, responsive, adaptive? What do these things actually really mean? The biggest mistake when people make when embarking on a website project, as well as, of course, what you need to do or check to ensure your website is hitting the mark. So, enough said, enough with the small talk. Let's get straight into it and learn a thing or two from Akash Shakir. My guest today is Akash Shakir, head of growth at EV Pearls. I've worked with Akash and EV Pearls for a number of years now, and when it comes to any question I have, anything design, development, uh, Cash, is this going to work or that going to work? He's the first guy I come to. And he's also one of the nicest guys in the industry. So, Cash, thank you so much for joining us on Inbound Buzz. Cheers. Thanks, Marty. Good to chat with you today. Awesome. Awesome. All right, let's get straight into it. Um, firstly, why don't you explain uh, exactly what you do at EV Pills uh, in your role of uh, head of growth? Oh, I do a lot of things. You know, it's, it's, it's around business. Um, you know, how, how can we improve? Technically, that is, um, you know, because I come from a technical background, even if I do sales, strategy, growth-related work, but it's mostly working with the clients to make sure, you know, they go on the right track, you know. Um, In our industry, it's very easy to be sidetracked because, um, you know, there's so much talk going in and around, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, and you've got plenty of examples. You've got millions and billions of websites, you know, apps are reaching millions anyway. So, you know, I control that so mm. that our clients become successful um, and make sure that, you know, they're on the right track. Cool. You're not wrong about there's millions and millions of examples because there's millions and millions of good and bad best practice out there as well. So I'm sure you encounter this stuff every single day. Um, and the big one, I have to start with this, mm-hmm. is the whole idea of banners and sliders, right? So banner, it's 2017, people are still doing it. I've got my view, but I'll just kick it straight to you. Banners and sliders on the homepage. What's your view? What do you think? Um, well, it's 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 always a question that I got get asked a lot because you know um, I think the senior executive always likes the sliders because they say, oh, the five carousel will display the five big big messages that we have to give. But these days, nobody's going to look at the second or the third or the fourth one. You know, they're only going to look at the first one because everybody who is using your website will be looking at it in the mobile phone or the tablet or the surface or you know those kind of devices and scrolling is so easy in those devices you know you can easily miss what's in the horizontal slide Mm. nobody slides horizontally everybody slides vertically because it's easier it's natural and you know display the information you know in one fold rather than in you know multiple folds 
across the horizontal side. It's interesting you say multiple folds because yeah. technically it is a fold, isn't it? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why people say, oh no, it has to be above the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you talk to, I think you talk to this a little bit like, you know, the head of a, an organization saying, I've got yeah. this department and that department. We can't have it on the bottom. It has to be above the fold. But it is a fold. It's still a, it's still a horizontal fold, right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. you're saying they're conditioned to scrolling with their fingers and yeah. up and down. Yeah, well, what happens is, obviously, you have to look at the intuitiveness of the user, you know. Um, intuitiveness is a big factor. That's why, you know, iOS did such a good job when they were first launched because everything was so intuitive that nobody has to think, you know, a kid can use an iPhone, uh, a 70-year-old man who have never used a computer can use an iPhone. So, above the fold is sort of like, it used to be, you know, on a horizontal slider mm-hmm. basis, now it's... On the vertical slider basis, you know, um, anything that you can put on the page, you know, it's better. Mm-hmm. You know, anything can slide. It's not really, you know, something. Information will definitely be lost mm-hmm. if you put it in the sliders these days, especially. And I've I've definitely heard that you know from yourself you know countless times now. Um, you know, talking to you know people about this. But for anyone who's listening or watching the video version of this, and you can get the video version at redpandas.com.au forward slash EP70. So you can see me and Akash and our handsome sort of, no, not joking, I'm joking. <laughs> check us out there and what we look like and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so what about people who are listening or watching and they have a slider and they've got six, seven messages? What do they do? Is, do they go for a single message? Do they have to make compromises? What is your view? If we get rid of slider, what do we put in its place? Um, I think, you know, once you've got the slider in, there's, there's, it's hard to get it away because, um, you know, you may have, you know, different kind of website. Again, every business is different, you know. Uh, I'm not saying that you do not have the sliders, you know. I'm not saying that at all. But it's better to use content, you know, on a scrolling or a grid basis. Maybe, you know, if it's a big slider and if, if there's four of them and, those four are your key messages, you can pretty much stack them up. Or mm. the other thing that you can do is create a tile of four or a tile of two, you know, mm. display it properly. There's multiple ways of designing it. It's just about the whole thing about user experience and user mm. interface, you know, there's multiple techniques to get around with it. Um, well, you need to know what your USB is, you know. If you're if there is like, you know, market related USBs, you know, you may have multiple USBs. For a particular country, for a particular target audience, um, you just have to evaluate what's important to you, and that's the, the most important thing is the one that you display. Mm, you that's know? the one you stick with. Yeah. With there's a question later on um, mistakes people make, which I'm keen to get into. I think we'll circle back on this. But you touched on mobile already, and you're right. Like we can't, we can't not have this conversation not talk about mobile. Like we have to talk about mobile. So the mobile topic itself, what's better for Google? Like a lot of people get confused, you know adaptive and responsive and you know this algorithm and mobile getting it really confuses a lot of people mm-hmm. so what is better for google now in 2017 responsive versus adaptive and then you might maybe you can explain what those things are as well oh sure sure um yeah the first thing is people do not understand what responsive is and what adaptive is you know mm-hmm. they would have heard adaptive somewhere they would have heard responsive mm-hmm. somewhere they would have heard mobile responses or i had a client who said i want mobile responsive i don't want responsive I mean, you know, that doesn't really make mm. sense. But, you know, there was a time when everybody was looking to move their website from a desktop-based website to a mobile website, you know. 
or there was a time when they were looking to get all the desktop website without changing the design, without changing anything because it's working for them to also have that website on their mobile displaying mm. correctly, you know, and that that's when the adaptive, you know, so that was two versions going. essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, not exactly two no? versions, no, okay. but it, it's sort of um, you know, in adaptive, you design multiple versions of your website so that you know exactly how it's going to look on the mobile, exactly how it's going to look on tablet, exactly how it's going to look on the you know laptops, mm. and exactly how it's going to look on the bigger computers. Whereas responsive, you design really once and then you adapt to the size of the device. So you have mm. to do a lot of engineering. Responsive from development perspective, you know, people like us is, um, you know, you, you really need to know your skills in order to do that. You really have to think hard on exactly how it all behaves when it, when it is put together. Adaptive is an easier one, you know, a junior developer or someone like that mm. can get around with it. Um, but responsive, you have to be really, really skillful. And that's why I mean, Adaptive is almost a lazy. Well. It's almost a lazy option. Yes. Like, yeah. If you've got a lot of money, and then you can afford to design a lot of different screens for different device size, uh, then you can use Adaptive. Yeah. But what Google loves, Google loves responsive because Google themselves produce phones these days and phones of different sizes. Mm -hmm. um, Apple produces phones of different sizes. Samsung produces phones of. You know, a lot of sizes mm. so we have to respond to each and every device size yeah, so yeah. Google understands that but not only Google everybody in this industry who's trying to work with you Facebook for example you know mm. they love responsive um, responsive is the way to go has to be the way to go um, and the fundamentals from Google you know they, they, have, they have this website called web fundamentals um, which we follow by heart here at EV Perils that's what has made us EV Pearls, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, and... Well, so it's called Google Web Fundamentals. It's Google, a, yeah. like a language, what is it, like a process, uh, a quality control thing? It's sort of like a Bible for web web developers or mm -hmm. designers, you know. It, it tells you exactly how they want the design to look like, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that sort of um, creates the material design, the, you know, the Web Fundamentals design side of things. Awesome. And... It also tells you about the speed optimization, the UX side of things, you know, um, and tells you what to do, what not to do for Google to mm. really help you to get up. Awesome. We, we, I'll probably grab a link from you. We'll link it in the show notes. People can check it out. Sure. Um, yeah, and it's a good question to ask you to develop by using these Google uh, design principles. Okay, so now in 2017, do you design for the mobile first or do you design for the desktop first? Um, I think that is... That completely depends upon the client and the target mm. audience. You know, um, you know, everything that we do these days depends upon quite a few things. Mm -hmm. you, know, um, you can't really say, "Oh, we have to do mobile first because that's what's written all over in the magazines. You know, if you if you read web design magazines, that's what they say: do mobile first because a lot of the users are there. Mm. But that can't always be true because there are industries where you know people are still using laptops. Um, so it really depends upon the target audience. The inspiration that the client has for the business and obviously their USB you know so um, these days what we do is we we pretty much focus more on the UX than the UI mm -hmm. so when when you do the UX you generally do UX for as much as possible like mm -hmm. desktop mobile tablet uh, but mostly we start with the desktop because it's very easy to think about and how plan, it is gonna yeah mm -hmm. and then 
that can translate very easily to mobile. Whereas mobile is a lot less real estate. So going from mobile to desktop is generally harder. Um, but the trend in the market is completely different. Mm. But we work in the real world, you know, we don't work in magazines and, and it works really well when we do both, you know, desktop and mobile, but do desktop first, translate it into mobile, test it, you know, obviously like usability yeah. testing, and then you get best out of both worlds. And that's the problem with these golden rules, isn't it? They're just, they're just terrible. They're the worst things when it comes to this industry. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I, would, I would tend to agree with you because when you're planning and thinking about what that page looks like, you're starting on a desktop. Um, and I think you also aptly summarized it quite well when you said, you know, you look at the business because someone's journey might start on mobile, but they might convert on desktop. It depends on the business. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some design trends. So this is your world day in, day out. Yeah. Um, talk to me about some design. I know, I know we spoke about, you know, best practices. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, quote unquote, golden rules and it all sucks. But that aside, what are some key design trends that you've seen, you've noticed, um, you know, that you're kind of liking right now? Mm-hmm. See, I come from a really, really technical background, so I'm not a designer, <laughs> but I work with designers here every day and, 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 you know, work with designers overseas over in Europe and in the US. So a lot of the designs these days are very, very typography focused, you know, um, images say a lot, but mm. these days the trend has been towards, you know, big, bold text so that you get to read, you, you get the people to read what you want them to read. And also... It's about clean, neat, simple, minimalistic, minimalistic, mm. very, very important because, um, you know, I think it's, it's about some, it's related to fashion. That's what I was going mm. to say, you know, because it's interesting. Fashion. what happens in fashion is for three or four years, you've got in fashion, you'll have t-shirts with a lot of prints. Mm. And then after that, after three or four years, then you get t-shirts with very simple design very very minimalistic design and then after that people get tired of it and then after again two three years it becomes retro and it becomes back retro yeah. yeah and that's exactly what's happening in our industry you know there will be a lot of flashes you know messages coming across sliders video you know a lot of lots and lots of content in a particular page mm. and then the now it's nearly shifting towards having minimalistic looking feel, clean, neat, simple, content is the most important thing, images goes in between the content, supplements the content, supplements the content mm-hmm. and that's how we're moving forward, which is the right approach because, you know, content is what Google loves, but more than that, content is what people are in your website for, mm-hmm. you know, images helps them to understand that content. But they're really there to find out the information that they're looking for. And they need to get to that information as quickly as possible. And you can only do that with clean, neat, plain and simple words mm. to get there. So that is one of the main, main things, you know, 2017 mm. and 18 will do to the people is to get to the information as quickly, as easily, as neatly as possible. So when you talk about uh, you know images supplementing the content, the content is the the key. Mm-hmm. The image is it's not it's not the hero it's supplementing that. Does that apply for video as well? And what are your views on um, particularly in, in the design world and development world, video backgrounds? Mm-hmm. What's your view on them? How do you use them rightly, wrongly? There's a technical side of not 
just uploading a bloody video that's yeah. big, yeah. but then also the aesthetic or business side of why you, you should use it or shouldn't use it. Um, it. Videos are a very important part of, you know, how you disseminate your information, you know, it depends mm. upon the scenario again, you know, if you're putting a banner video in your website, you know, it may or may not mean anything, you know, it creates a perception, you know, mm. when you put a video in your so say for example, our website has a video background, which we are we will be moving in about three weeks to an image. Um, and there is a reason for that. But you know, having a video up there creates a perception that oh, okay, that's how they are working. Mm-hmm. Or that's how they do things, you know. Um, I had a really good response when one of our clients put a video up in the main banner where they were a delivery company and they were actually yeah. saying, This is how we do all the deliveries and it, it really helped them save the future because they were a really different kind of delivery company you know? mm-hmm. so video definitely helps but it also depends on exactly on what context are you using the videos video backgrounds not a big fan of it but really right okay yeah. but in terms of the video that you put to manage your content or, or to enhance the content that you've written it really really helps like like for example i was trying to buy a heater from DeLonghi, you know, um, I was trying to look at a lot of different um, other companies mm-hmm. and trying to find out what is the best theater. Then DeLonghi in their website had a really nice video, you know, what kind of room do you have in your house? You know, there's like, they divide the house into four different rooms and then showed if your room is this size, this is the best mm-hmm. theater. If, you, if your room is this size, this is the best theater. That really helped, helped me make a decision and I just bought it from them. Mm. It was that easy. Video definitely helped there. Um, but generally in video background case, you know, in the main banner, people generally use it to show off, you know. So you really have to define your USB there, then mm. it definitely makes sense. But don't do it for the, I guess what you're saying is don't do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. If there's a USB in it, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a fashion design house and you want to have a perception. Because uh, you know, you're right, because perception stands for something. Yeah. Um, use it or don't use it. Yeah. Yeah. So why did you, you mentioned you guys t- are taking it off your website. Why, what's the reason behind that? Um, because we did it for a show off as well. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so it's time to get like serious. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 fair enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's time to, time to pretty much you know, get into the serious zone. And, and, you know, we're putting up a really nice image, uh, an image that we're we, we took ourselves, yeah, um, and that that's gonna be back where we're drawing the you know you uh, drawing pretty much the wireframes and, and all that. Um, but a good example of a video is um, one of our clients who is a swimwear company, and and they put it up there because you know when somebody types in their swimwear, they want to mm-hmm. be classic and they want to be like we are one of the most reputable swimwear in Australia, um, and they put a you know fashion suit meaning. Um, a ramp walk kind of mm-hmm. shooting suit video, you know, that that actually lifts their credibility so highly, you know, because um, you can be any swimmer company, but if you're doing that kind of activity, it really means that you're one of the classic ones. You know? I think that's the litmus test, isn't yeah. it? Are we doing this to show off? Yeah. Or are we enhancing the content? Or are we, is there a perception that we're trying to portray? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, is it clear what is this page designed to do? Yeah. Okay. So um, this is really, this I really, really, like after the banner question, this was the second question I really wanted to ask you when mm-hmm. I thought about, you know, we thought about this interview, is so you see this project all the time and people make your, your clients and, and my clients, like they make a lot of mistakes when it comes to web design, approaching it because yeah. they might only do it once every 10 years. Mm-hmm. So 
the question is, and this might be multiple faceted, what's the biggest mistake or mistakes you see clients make when they're trying to approach a website project that you have to educate? Um, you know, you'll be surprised with my answer, you know, I, I really have to sort of think about it, but in most of the cases, when you, when you actually do a website for a client here, they don't really know what the business is, or they don't really know where do they want to take their users or the customers to, you know? Mm. Um, in other words, they don't really know what their unique selling point is. They don't really know what they want the users when they come to their website to do. So clarity is a really, really big factor, you know? Um, they will look at, you know, 10 or 20 different competitors' websites. They will want everything from each one of the competitors. Oh, that's the worst, isn't it? Yeah. You know? That's just a hodgepodge. You're a hodge, taking a hodgepodge of a hodgepodge, hodgepodge. of other yeah. businesses who don't really know what they want either. Exactly. And if some of the clients who knows awards-winning websites and all that sort of stuff, they want every bit of animation that's in there. You know? And, and yeah. award-winning websites, the problem with them is they really create to win the award. Not, maybe they won't create it to please the audience. That needs to be pleased. I love that. Yeah. Just to, I didn't know we were going to touch on that, but... One of my biggest irks in this industry, and we're both agencies that cross over, yeah. is agencies who do things just to win awards. Yeah. That just irks the bejesus out of me. So exactly. I'm going to get off topic. But yeah, so you're, you're right. So um, they don't know, they don't have clarity around what action they want people to take. And that's what you're saying exactly. when people arrive on their website. And here at EVPRLS, what we do is we, we know that people will make those mistakes. So we've been in business for nearly 12 years now. So what we've done is we've created a framework in place where we don't want our clients to be, you know, off track of anything. So we ask them five or six simple questions and not a lot of them really have exact answers to those questions. But we try and, you know, do a workshop, you know, if one is not enough, we'll do two, we'll do three, but we'll, we'll make sure that they get those answers. Some of them are very basic questions. Who is your target audience? You know? mm -hmm. And they may say, well, men, 20, 30. Now, we'll ask them how to get that data. Because it is very important. You'll think, you know, like for example, EB Pearls, when we did that analysis ourselves, we've got a really big <laughs> marketing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of strategy that we built. We thought our audience was, you know, on a certain section. But we were completely wrong unless we tracked it. And, and, and that was, we analyzed the data for nearly three years to say, okay, this is where our target audience is. Mm. And a particular business for them, target audience is the most important thing. Then you can really save a lot in marketing, mm. a lot in when you're designing your website. You know, you can create a certain perception, you can create a certain persona in the website. And target audience is really one of the most important things. Mm. So, but, sorry, so with yours, yeah. the, the three years of data, because that yeah. man, you're so right, yeah. we're all too, by default, we're all too close to our businesses. We're all, whatever the profile we think we have in a boardroom where we come up, it's going to be wrong, right? 100%. Well, maybe 99.9% of the time. So the profile that you, what were some particulars? Like if it wasn't male for 20 versus something, was it like business size? What were some of the particulars of your persona that you defined? Oh, it was, it was very, um, very definitive, you know. It was very random because we do work in a lot of different industries mm -hmm. with a lot of different... So, um, you know, again, I, I won't touch on exactly the... No, no, yeah, but just the things, actual... Did you look at age, sex, um, position title? What were those? Oh, we, we actually started with that. But what we ended up doing was, okay, where do they come from? 
you know, target audience, where do they come from? Are they coming from a particular industry? Mm -hmm. Are they coming from a particular source of leads? You know, you know, a pool of leads. Or are they actually coming from a particular mindset? Yeah, mm -hmm. we actually really looked at target audience from a completely different perspective. We didn't Love go, mm -hmm. we didn't went back to like male, female, twenty, thirty. We didn't look at that because that meant nothing to our business. Mm -hmm. You know, what really meant, to our, you know, what really made sense for our business was, you know, what mindset do they come to us from? Do they what stage in the funding they're from? Say, for example, they're doing a mobile application. They don't have money, but they they have an excellent idea. You know, that is a really good audience for us in some cases. Mm -hmm. Because if their idea is good, we can get them funding, we can prepare them for funding, and then we can do that project so that that project becomes successful. Mm -hmm. You know, that is the best thing that can happen to us. Whereas in the other cases, they can be businesses, you know, people, you know, in their age of, say, 40 to 45, mm -hmm. trying to, you know, maximize the potential of their business and you know, get to the next step, trying to automate their process, comes to us to build a mobile application and a web application. Mm -hmm. Now we really looked at from that perspective of who they are and what they're trying to do, rather than because age and everything doesn't so matter. Really yeah. I'm glad you touched on it. Yeah. That's where people start, male, female, twin but like I mean, you know, like you have twenty year olds doing things fifty year olds can't do. You've got people starting businesses when they're sixty, you know, it's just it, they're just vanity identifiers, aren't they? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about you've you've said these words before, these acronyms UI UX during this interview. Mm -hmm. People use them interchangeably because I don't think they understand them. What's the difference between UI and UX? It's very different, you know. It's it's sort of like it can it can be funnily different because mm -hmm. you you're talking about two different kind of people, and it's very very misunderstood, you know. Um, if I go to a client and say UI and UX, and it's the same thing, you'll believe it. But really, you're talking about um, a designer who's, who can paint, you know, versus an engineer who's actually creating and building things. You know? UX is really about engineering, how the website or the application will actually be constructed. You know? mm -hmm. um, I think the most important, you know, person in, while doing a website or a mobile application is a UX engineer. Because, and I say I, I use this word particularly saying engineer because a lot of people would say UX designer. You know, that's not the right word because there's no such thing as UX isn't that designer. Like, isn't that a made-up term in a way? Like I, I hear this all the time with UX designer, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like I'm sure there are people who. More towards the side, you're talking about yeah. the guys that you work with in your team, the UX engineers. Oh, you're right, man. The, yeah. Sorry, to, sorry yeah. to jump in there, yeah. but the UX designer thing for me is a bit of a made up yeah. term in a way. So you're talking about this yeah. UX engineer yeah. sort of Because product. what happens is you're a designer and then you have an eye for a customer, then you think, okay, I can do a UX as well, then you become a UX designer. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's what happens. But really, UX is all about engineering. UX is all about making sure you know, there is the right so you, know, you understand the audience you mm -hmm. understand the goal of the project and you design the product to meet that goal you know and you really have to be an engineer to do that you know if if i was a an engineer uh, designer in apple you know i wouldn't know how to you know create all those icons and mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff that they came up with when when they were just when they were pretty much engineering the icon you know 
it's all about engineering how it will all work. And then the designer will come in there and then make it look beautiful. You know, that's what that's what these two terms are. You are on it's pretty much, you know, you're making it look beautiful on a creative sort of a template mm -hmm. from a UX and UI. And UI is you for those who don't know, it's user interface. Yes. So what that interface looks like. Yeah. Is that yeah, yeah? exactly. That's right. Yeah. And user experience, obviously UX, you know. Um, how that so, works and what that yeah yeah, yeah how, how it works how it all yeah how it all connects how each and every part of the application connects to each other and where should that particular element be in that mm -hmm. page and how, how effective it will be to be there um, when we work here at EB Pearls we focus more on UX you know um, even if our design looks great and, and that's you know, fair enough to our directors but we spend a lot of time doing the UX and we do every bit of that application in UX mm -hmm. um, and we do very little UI because once you've done all that hard work engineering it, you know, all our developers need is maybe homepage design and a UI kit and then they'll turn, turn around and give us a completed website. You know? Once the UX is so concrete That's and so... Hard part. Yeah, not, um, not that's What's going to be the prettiest thing first? Mm -hmm. This this reminds me of something you said before. Let's get ten of our competitors. Let's find a hodgepodge, a hodgepodge of businesses who probably don't even know what they're doing, and make it look pretty. Whereas you guys, you're saying we focus on the user experience first, and the UI is going to support that, just like the images support the content. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. So, what are some of your favorite tools, or maybe you know one or two key tools that you know you just can't live without, or you think are quite integral in in your world, um, while we're ta talking this topic called UX, you know, I think I think UX spin is a really good tool. You know, uh, people talk about Envision and all these other tools. They're very UI focused again. Mm. UX spin is very much. That's why it's called UX spin. UX spin. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it's a really nice tool where you can do all the you know wireframes and things like that. You can interconnect things. You can really build a system out of it. But the best thing that the client love about UX spin here when we use it is collaboration you know we don't really have to meet to discuss exactly how it should work they can just go in there middle of the night comment and have to send you an email or do a print it out and do these sketches and send it back yes yeah. all collaborative all collaborative yeah, all online on this yeah. element yeah exactly. exactly and you know it's, it's a very good reference tool for the developers as well to see how how the whole application will you know the flow of the application moves forward mm. so you know, it's, it's, it's a very good you know, tool. So even when the, because, you know, inevitably for those, I'm sure most of the listeners know this, but for those who don't know, and I'm summarizing this way too quickly, but once you identify your goals and your personas, what you're trying to do, and you develop a wireframe, then you go to design stage and development stage. Mm -hmm. So, and I like what you said there. So the developers actually can see that trail as well. They can use UXP and see at the stages that were one or two stages before them, yeah. what was the customer thinking? Yeah, you know, what exactly. was their logic or yeah. what were their reference sites at that point? Exactly. So it's actually quite linear. It's not, yeah. we're going to take it from one silo to another silo to another silo. Yeah. That is, um, you know, there was this really big leap when it was all waterfall. You do the, you know, wireframes first and then you do the design and then you give it give that design to the developers and they'll do it you know um, whereas now it's more azar you know developers get involved uh, really at the front when they're understanding what the customer wants and then taking that and then looking at wireframes and and design it's just supplement to 
that he works to work on it. You know, so it, you know that has really helped. You know, if you consider us a lot, you know, we have decreased hours and hours of development time by following that process. Mm, it's great for you guys, and it's great for the yes. clients. And if you ask why you do this, the reason is this is the alternative is when someone goes through a traditional website process and they're like, I'm not happy with this. And they don't even really know why. Yeah. It's because they didn't start with their, uh, you know, actual objectives, what what they actually wanted to achieve, which you say is the biggest mistake. Yeah. Um, and there was that disjoint between the, the waterfall. Like yeah. you've got the designer and developer and it, it isn't linear. You yeah, know, it's yeah. not agile. So um, I think that's, I think that's great. I think it's, and that is a great way to kind of end this topic as well. I think this has been fantastic. It's been a, breadth of knowledge for me and I'm sure it'll be for our listeners but I want to ask and end with a personal question so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your background or your, your, your personal background that you know people might not realize would be surprised to know about actually I come from a completely different background I studied completely different things in my uni I'm still technical I still in this industry but but I actually um, you know, studied to be a data mining engineer. You know? Data mining engineer, right. So, so it's pretty much uh, what I, all my research, all my papers I wrote, you know, I won the best paper for one of the <laughs> topics that I wrote on and, and all that sort of stuff. All that was for, you know, how in a very big distributed architecture you can easily find the data, you know. So, um, you know, I, I did a lot of work around... Um, you know, like, 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 for example, Facebook or, you know, stumble upon or, or Google, you know, there's wealth of information, there's like, you know, number of data mm. that you can't even think of. And if you need to find that small piece of information, how would you do that? You know, there's, there's things like, you know, everything in Google runs from one algorithm and that's called MapReduce algorithm. And that's what I mm. spent a lot called? of MapReduce algorithm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So break it. Search it, break it, search it kind of algorithm. Um, that's what I, I spend a lot of my time with. So now I'm, I'm trying a totally different end of mm. <laughs> you know the spectrum where I'm working with day-to-day customers where they're we are actually building it for it's solving, problems. solving problems. Do you think that's helped you? Do you, do you think like you know because it's you you start from the data side and you know, the mining side and how to find something. Now you're very much on I guess the head from a growth and business objective solution point of view. Do you think that's helped you in your, in your role? Um, it definitely helps. You know, when you're a developer, which I used to be, you know, um, it really helps you to tackle things in your life. Because as a developer, people think we are really, really geeky and we just stay in the computer. But while <laughs> you're programming, you're really creating and pro- solving problems. So I find that a lot. You know, when, when I'm doing something, say, say I'm going... I have a problem, say, in my life, then I, I always think about it from a programming perspective. Mm. I, I generally solve it pretty quickly, you know. So um, I think it has helped me a lot in this job because I know the full spectrum now, you know. Um, because I spent a lot of time going into a lot of meetups, meeting different kind of people, working mm. in different industries, you know. I've worked with government to retail to, you know, uh, fitness centers to, you know, every kind of people that you can think of, you know. Um, so I think, you know, understanding all that and also understanding how it is all done in the end of the spectrum, I would say, mm-hmm. because I think Google is the limit for us, you know, uh, and from there we start, you know. That, that, that's how we look at the web design and mobile app development industry. 
where we think about Apple and Google, and then we start from there. You know, that's that's how we do things, so that you know they manage the other side of the spectrum. We manage this side of the spectrum where we create applications for them deployed in their platform. Cool. Well, awesome. Thank you, Cash. That was a wealth of knowledge and a masterclass in, in your field of design and development. Um, and yeah, if people want to check you guys out, that would be, I guess, ebpearls.com.au. Yeah, that's right. Link that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, anything else you think we haven't covered or you'd like to share with everyone? Oh, well, I think, I think we've covered quite a lot, you know, um, but it, it's very important that when you're doing a website, um, think about why you're doing mm-hmm. it, what you want to achieve. And then design, make it look neat, clean, simple, so that you, people mm. who are visiting the website can you know, make it pretty, sake yeah. of it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. Cash, thank you so very much. Cheers. Thanks, Mommy. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.